Hello, I'm Laura Furiosi, divorced mother of three, and I'm here with my mother, Lynette Galvin, with 35 years' experience in family law. You're listening to the Divorce Course Podcast. Through our candid discussions, we hope to help you through your divorce or de facto separation. We will be answering the most commonly asked questions and covering the stages and steps that you will face on your way to freedom. Do you need to sell your house as part of your divorce? Well, today we're discussing the minefield that you may have to navigate when selling your house with your ex. And we're going to discuss with Lynn how to navigate it, the tips and tricks that you need to know, and also how to go about it dealing with those four divorce personality types that we always talk about. Welcome, Mum. Hello, Laura. Hello, everyone. So today, Mark, we're talking about selling a house during your divorce. Now, you said Mm. to me just before we started, you've done this how many times with clients? Well, it must be hundreds and hundreds of times. So, and I've never yet got a case where we couldn't actually get to listing the house for sale and selling it. So anything that your exes can think up, we've got it covered. The court has a way. Now, important point to note that anyone who's listening, you don't necessarily have to sell your house if you're getting divorced. There are other options, refinancing, getting the house put in your name, et cetera, et cetera, which of course we will do other episodes on, but we realize this topic is so huge and the, the, the pathway you have to take is, is quite fraught with ups and downs. And just selling a house in general is stressful enough, let alone selling a house and dealing with your ex or getting separated and divorced all at the same time. Do you mm-hmm. find that your clients really struggle with that, Mum? I do, I do. I mean, anyone who's already, when you bought your house, remember it's hard enough when you both get along. Um, but, yes, yeah, sometimes people look at it and just think, oh, I just can't, can't do this, and then they feel very stuck. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, so just... we're going to kind of guide you through the steps that the process that you take when going through selling a house with your ex. Um from decision to sell, the choosing the agent, agreeing on a value, what happens if you can't, you know, agree on an agent or a value, who pays for the fees, who pays for the repairs, who does the work, because let's face it, not house, no, no house is completely ready for sale when you decide to sell it. Mm-hmm. What happens if they won't sign once you get an agreement? What happens to the money? Once you do sell it, where does it go? How do you arrange that? And then the whole moving out. How do you move out with your ex? How do you do that without any drama? And then we're going to be talking about any other problems that mum has seen people face during selling, during divorce. Absolutely. And one of those other problems is dealing with the bank. You've got documents to sign to release the mortgage. And, And also, what lawyer are you going to use to sell your house? Are you going to have your lawyer or their lawyer? Or do you get a joint lawyer or do you do it yourself? All of those things. Very hard. So if you are about to sell, think about thinking about selling, then listen to this episode and we're going to guide you through it. Mm. Now, mum, you did say though that when you made the decision to sell, which we'll talk about, there is some things that people make epic mistakes in where they might say to their partner, you were saying uh, that they're going to get 20% of the property of the sale of the home. And how does that affect, did you see in, in sales? How does it affect mm. if, if everyone knows what percentage they're going to get from the sale? Okay, so as we're looking at it from the point of view of your negotiation early on. If um, I found if the other person thinks they're only going to get 20% or 30% out of the sale, they may not be as cooperative as if they think they're going to get 50%. And if, if they think they're going to get 60 or 70%, they may um, insist on a higher price than the property is worth. So I generally defer any discussion 
on the percentages until after we've got an unconditional contract. Um, ah. It's a bit of a sneaky trick, but it just, you know, it's just manoeuvring people to, to do the right thing. Yeah. So I guess our listeners and watchers today on TikTok have a little think, what kind of person am I divorcing? Am I yep. separating from? Are they more likely to be a bit nasty if they're only going to get a little bit of the percentage of the sale? Or are they going to be holding out for heaps if they know they're going to get most of the percentage of the sale? And kind of maybe the, use that as your guide, I guess, to yes. decide how whether, when you're going to start that negotiation. And but let's the, get to the start of it. And, and when, the avoidant, Laura, the avoidant yes. person, so hard. To get them out of the house in general, let alone, yes. yeah. yeah, and that is a decision uh, on who moves out. We've done a whole episode on that. It's like number three of the, or number two of our podcast ever, and it's still wow. relevant today. So definitely go listen to that yeah. on who moves out. When it comes to deciding to sell mum, what mm. things do people need to think about? Okay, so the, there's the... You might think um, one of you could actually buy the property and that would save you paying real estate agent fees. So, you know, that might be um, you might not want to sell the house if there's a chance one of you can keep the property. And the court's keen to minimise any loss of assets um, to preserve the asset pool. So if you really realistically think you can keep the house, the court won't make you sell it and you shouldn't get involved in selling it. Um, that's that's one of the decisions that you need to make. Someone you might not be able to afford it, or it might be acreage and you can't keep it up. So, those are all things, or too many awful things might have happened there, and you don't want the memory. Um, and one memorable case I had: the house was next door to uh, the person's in-laws, and their partner had moved into that next door house, so they were pretty keen to sell. <laughs> Yeah, you don't yeah. want to be living to living next door to your ex in laws unless you have a great yeah. relationship, <laughs> which I hope everybody does, but unlikely at yeah. that point of time at least. Yeah. Okay, so you make the decision to sell. Definitely go and get some legal advice before Absolutely. you make that decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody's situation is different. Also, you know, get some legal advice on whether you should leave the home. Again, go listen to our first couple of episodes ever because they give you some guidance. Mm. But then it comes down to, I guess, the next step is choosing an agent. It is. It is. And and because it's you're presumably both on the mortgage and both on the house, so you need to choose an agent together. Uh, that can be tricky. Make sure you're not picking someone who's mates with them or, you know, that. But the best way is for one of you to ch- pick a panel of three real estate agents, give that to the other party and get them to choose one. That, that like, gives them a little bit of power. And if, so, particularly if you choose the three agents, you know you're not. You would, our clients wouldn't. Our, our listeners would never get someone who was their friend. Um, but send three independent over and let them choose one, and that gets that sorted. And then you both agree to deal with that person. So you're just like, dear Johnny your ex. Um, I have found three real estate agents. I've done some research. I think they're great. I'm no way friends with them in any way. Um, I'd like you to choose the one that we choose, that we use. Can you let it back to me within 10 days? Yep. Otherwise, I'll go with number two on the list. I'll assume you agree with number two or number one. Don't say you think they're great. Um, Oh, okay. So I found three agents. They seem okay <laughs> um, yes. for the area. So what to, what don't want to get is is um, any suggestion that you're championing these 
agents. Right. Okay, so let's imagine that the listeners, they've chosen three, they've sent the letter to the partner, their ex, their ex has chosen one. Then what do you do? Do you both go and see the agent together? Do you, like, what what do you do? No, I think that could be a bit fraught too. So generally, if one of you is in the house, that person will liaise with the agent, but keep the other person informed. So, you know, say you're still in the house and you've decided to have to sell. You say, oh, good, you've chosen such and such. Gladys, you've chosen Gladys. I'll CC you in. I'm going to send her an email and get her to come over and give us an appraisal. So just keep them in the loop so they're not, they don't get antsy and bring them on that selling journey with you. So when Gladys does a evaluation, get her to CC that partner in or, you know, just try to, it's like co-parenting only with an agent. So you, you okay. share your information. So just make sure you're keeping them in the loop, you're CCing yep. them into all the conversations and all the decisions, I Business. guess. What about yeah. when it comes to agreeing on a value to list it for sale? Hmm. You can either say, look, let's agree that whatever Gladys says, we'll say that's the listing price. Or if you're not sure before, then you might get three agents to come and have a look at your house and and give you an indication of the price. Um, Mm. And then I, I do this. I add the three values up, divide it by three and say, how about we do this price? So very transparent and Mm. very methodical so that doesn't look like you're selling uh, you're, you're again championing or pre- promoting anything. So you could do that if you've chosen one agent, still get maybe the three of them to come and give a price. Um, mm. Where you can come at Cropper is where one uh, agent might, and I'm sure this isn't all, but a fictional agent might up the price just to get the job, you know. But mm. if you've already decided beforehand which agent you would like, then Yes, get three people in to have an idea of the sale. Do you know, most people know what it's going to sell for. They'll say things like, oh, well, a house two doors up sold last week and it's not as good as our house and it sold for their sort. So you've already got a rough idea what your house Mm. is worth. Anyone whose marriage is breaking up has kept a bit of an eye on the real estate market. Okay. So what happens though if the other person's just like, nah, I, I'm not, I'm not paying, I'm not playing ball. And I know this is one of the avoidant personality mm-hmm. types. Mm-hmm. No, I don't want to choose a value. No, I don't want to choose an agent. Shove it up your jumper. I'm just going to sit on the couch and play PlayStation for the rest of my life. What, yeah. what kind of strategies do you give to the people that are dealing with that kind of X? Uh, so, I keep. I would keep the emails going to them, but always give them an option. Like if I'll, if you don't answer, I'll assume this. If you don't answer, I'll assume we'll list it at this price. Get it listed. The court doesn't really get involved. Like we're trying to stay out of court, but the court doesn't really get involved until the time that you've got a contract and they refuse to sign. Uh, if you get a contract and they refuse to sign, then you do make an initiating application to the court or an uh, application and proceeding to the court. And basically you say to the judge, here's all the communications we've had. Here's the contract. This is what's going to happen if we don't sign the contract. You know, I can't afford the mortgage, the banks, you know, if the bank's been giving you heaps, put put that letter there. Um, Mm. And the court can order that other person to sign the contract. And here's the magic in it. The court can also say that a registrar of the court under Section 106, capital A, can sign the contract instead of the other person. And so I've never, ever, ever come across a house that we couldn't get sold. So 
you know, we talked about divorcing a statue. You can even sell a house with a statue. (laughs) So my question to you is then, so you're saying if you're joint owners of the house, joint mortgage, you can list it for sale without them partaking in it? Uh, Well, it depends if the agent will um, let you, I guess. Mm. Yeah, you're right. Or the other person, your your ex may agree to list it and then back down on the documents. So, right. yeah, sorry okay. about that. You're right, Rose. I don't think the agents will anymore do it. Okay. One. We used to so then that's it. when you do the application. Yes, to the court and just the say, it's got to be sold, I can't afford it or whatever it is. Yeah. Which we've done a how-to fill in the form for that yes, application, the initiating application. Um, so you can check that out on our online course store. But also we have a podcast that's coming out on all about filling in those applications because mm. I've noticed, Mum, there's a trend in our podcast episodes where you go, well, if that doesn't work out for you, file an application in the court. And I'm I like, know. what does that mean? Yeah. So we've done a whole episode on it and a, and a how-to video lesson on the. So ah. check that out. But don't forget, just today we've been told you won't no longer have to fill in a financial questionnaire. So if any of our listeners are doing that, you don't have to do it. You have to do a financial statement. Isn't that great? No, oh, you don't I have to do it. That's fantastic. Yeah. Okay, so let's imagine we're going down the line and everybody's hunky-dory. They've decided to sell. They've chosen an agent. They've agreed on a value. They need to get someone to do all the conveyancing, so a, a, a lawyer who yes. is going to do the contract work. Yes. How do you choose that? Well, do you use your family lawyer? or well, Family lawyers are generally too expensive, I think, to do that sort of work. But if okay. there's going to need to be a little bit of pressure applied and, and you know, then you might want to keep your family lawyer and they might want to keep theirs um, if they've got one. But if you are both on the same page as far as selling goes, then I think you should choose a lawyer to do it on behalf of both of you. And again, um, get a list of three. Perhaps if you've nominated three agents and they've chosen one, maybe ask your ex to choose, give you a list of three lawyers and you choose one and that will be your conveyancing lawyer. Okay. Okay. And that will keep costs down because you only have to pay half the cost instead of an hourly rate, you know, and you can get fixed fees, fixed fee conveyancing. So, okay, yeah. so if you've got an avoidant partner, send them three choices. Yeah. Say if I don't hear from you in 10 days, I'm going to choose one yeah. and then go ahead and do that. If you've got a high conflict or a manipulative controlling, either ask them to give you three if that makes it better and then you choose one from the three and then get mm. the ball rolling. The yes. next question, Mum, who pays the fees for the lawyer doing the paperwork for selling? Yeah. Yeah, it'll be 50-50 between you both usually. Um, if the okay. court has to order it, they order that the parties pay equally. And if one person's got a lot more money than another person, like perhaps uh, you might be a stay-at-home parent and the other person's working, um, they might ask the other person to pay it initially and then you will get reimbursed them for their, for their half or for your half when the property sells, when the house sells. So generally right. share the costs of selling. Yeah. Okay. Well, so then, so you've got it all ready to go. You've got your lawyer, you've got your agent, you're set up. They come in to take photos and the place is a schmozzle. And so you've got to go and clean it up, make it stage ready. Some people even get stage furniture in. Some people, you know, you have to cull all their crap, the Tupperware cupboard, you name it, clean it up, the kids' room. Uh, maybe they need to paint that back wall that's been sitting there for seven years mm-hmm. that's never been painted. 
who does that when you're going through a divorce? Like how how do how do you navigate that with with clients? Well, I know that um, what the court's point of view is. That, so if you can't agree on who does that, the court's point of view is no, no Renos. We're going to sell it as it is. Okay, they right. don't they don't rely really? on each person to do stuff. So it's Ooh. up. If you might think I better do all that. Um, and I'll keep a list of what I've spent and hopefully sort that out in the final property settlement, get some contribution. But it might be if you're in the house, you do it. If they're in the house, they may not do it. You may just have to sell it as is. It's ridiculous because you can lose a lot of money. But there yeah. are some people, the manipulative controlling people, who, or maybe even the avoidant person, will not fix it up. Um, mm. And that's another reason why you don't let the other side know the percentages they're likely to get or you're thinking of because um, yeah, it might not be their problem if it doesn't get so It might not be worth their while to spruce the place up That's even right. for the open homes if they know they're not going to get much of a cut. So mm -hmm. that is something to think about, especially if you're yeah. going, should I leave or should I stay? And they go. And, I, and so if you're more likely to be the one that's going to do the work and willing to do the work, and try and be the one who stays if you're going to sell, do you think? I think so. I think so because um, you will get more. Even if you get your family over, they do a working bee, whatever, um, at least you're getting the best out of that property. And hopefully mm -hmm. when you divvy up the proceeds at the end, you might get a little percentage or two credit for that work you've done. Um, mm. You'll seldom get every dollar back, but, but sometimes it counts as the cost of sale, part of the cost of sale, which would be 50-50. Have you ever come across any clients, and I'm thinking of the manipulative and controlling, where maybe they're the ones in the house and they're not happy about selling, they don't want to sell, so they sabotage the open homes? Maybe they just put oh, yes. truth everywhere? Or, does, that, does that come back and bite them in the butt in court if they end up in court at all? No, or? there's no power for the court to order someone to keep a house nice. But can't they be compensated and say, well, look, you cost them this much money because yeah. it could have sold for I this? I wish. I wish. Really? Yeah, but oh, no. Gosh. So no. it's really important to make sure whoever actually has the best interest of getting that house for the most amount of money to be in there. That's why if the house has to be sold, I don't like to discuss property settlement until mm. it's an unconditional contract. Remember when our viewers um, and listeners, if you're – Thinking you might keep the house, remembering this is Australian law and, and of course, conveyancing is different in every state in Australia, but it's basically the same. Um, mm. If you're planning on keeping the house, um, you've got to, you, you may think you can't afford to keep the house, but take into account the superannuation the other person's got and all of the other assets, and you may be surprised. So, right back at the beginning there, where we talked about the decision to sell, you said get some legal advice, and I can't emphasize that enough. All right. So you've got it, whether it's looking good or not, you've had your open home and you get some people saying, yes, I want to buy it. Yep. You've, you go to sign it. And what kind of issues do people come across in the signing and negotiating of the contract for sale when someone's ready to sell? You've made it this far. You've separated or made the decision and that's a big deal and that takes courage and we totally respect that. 
The problem now is you don't know what the next step is to do. You might have some idea, but you're worried it might be costly or you might make a mistake. We don't all have a lawyer on speed dial to ask those little questions swirling through our minds or to fully explain the process in plain speak. If this is you, you've come to the right place. This course was created because I wish I'd known what I do now. Lynn knows the law and we both know what it is like getting divorced. It was during my divorce that she realised how much more support and information is needed for people going through this process. Knowledge is power. We're all capable of learning and doing things to help us to get to a better life. Mum and I want to give this knowledge and know-how to you and save you money while we're at it. Empower, educate and equip yourself with the legal know-how and the tools you need to get your divorce, property settlement and children's matters finally settled. Work through the course at your own pace without feeling confused, lost, scared or overwhelmed with family law legal jargon and processes. If you're ready, join us at www.thedivorcecourse.com.au and click on find out more about the DIY Divorce Blueprint. What kind of issues do people come across in the signing and negotiating of the contract for sale when someone's ready to sell? God bless the agents because the real estate agent will normally liaise between the two different parties. Um, (laughs) You know, that keeps costs down and it's extra work for them. But, you know, they might go and see you and then go and see the other person to get them to sign the contract. If So that's how that gets managed um, and the document goes over to the other side to sign the contract. More likely you're going to get those offers are going to be a bit low, okay? Listing price might be one thing, offers might be another. And sometimes there's this, you might, might both might think the price is too low, the offer's too low. If it purchaser for the property gets a gets wind that it's a marriage breakdown uh, they smell blood and they come in really low so you need to not sort of don't let your agent put an ad in that says you know marriage breakdown or divorce or yeah. life circumstances change because that just see, makes everyone think oh fire sale you know sell it Desperate. easily yeah yes yeah. so well the agent will do most of that negotiate to getting that contract signed and then unconditional is just gold then because Mm. then uh, there are legal consequences if uh, the other person doesn't follow through because you've got a contract involving third third parties so yeah Mm. let the agent do do it okay yeah and thank you for the questions you're putting through guys we will answer Mm. them at the end we just got to get through all of this little bit first um okay so so okay all right so you've got this let's imagine you've signed it yeah you've signed Mm. the contract is there anything you need to do with the bank? Are there any troubles that people come yes. across when selling the house during divorce with the bank? Well, if you've got a mortgage and who hasn't, um, you need to get to let the bank know the house is being sold and they will want some release documents signed um, to release the mortgage. And they want to know they're going to get their money first. That's the first thing that gets paid once the property sells. So, um, yes, you need to uh, get the proper form. Some of the banks have it online. Some of them you go into the branch and get the document. Uh, You can't rely on the agent or the bank to give that to your ex. So pop that over to them to sign. Um, I wouldn't sign it first. I'd let them sign first and then it comes back. So there's not a document floating around with your signature on it that you don't have control of. Um, True. Unless they're also awake up to that and they make you sign first. Or you can <laughs> arrange to go into the bank at different times to sign the release documents. Um, okay. Yeah. So then you're starting to get into the pointy end of what happens to the proceeds. Well, I was just about to ask, and we've just had a question about it too. So so the banks, yep, yep, we're going to release it, blah, blah, blah. We'll get paid first. 
what happens to the money? So you oh. buy it, they pay you. Yes, some of it goes to your mortgage or whatever for the and bank. And some to the agent. And some to the agent. But what happens to the money, particularly if you haven't yet had an agreement on who's yeah. going to get what? So there's somebody on TikTok that's saying if the house sells and there's a dispute of how much each should get, what is the process? What happens? Wow. Yeah, so that's that's where it gets a bit fraught and frenetic. Um, so if you're both on the mortgage as joint tenants or as tenant equal tenants in common equal shares, the real estate agent would, in the normal course of events, or your, the lawyer, sorry, would, get a cheque for the mortgage, um, get money put in there, get money put to pay the agent fees, and then the balance um, uh, usually, unless there's rates and things to be paid, will be 50-50, you and, and your other party. That's fine if that's the right amount. If that's the proper split, that's fine. Um, mm. If not then what you do is you wait till the contract's unconditional. Sorry, it sounds so sneaky. Um, and then you um, advise the agent uh, that you don't agree to releasing the funds um, to both parties and you either. So you get to sign an authority to the agents to who gets who gets what or your solicitor, sorry, about who gets what. And that might be the point at which one of you is going to have to say, okay, now we've got a contract, it's unconditional. Now we need to talk about percentages. And if you can't agree on the percentages, say you think you're entitled to 70% and you're not going to, they're not going to agree to that, then you freeze the money in the trust account of the solicitor or of the agent. Um, and you just say to the conveyancing lawyer, I'm not going to sign the authorities to distribute the money. I want you to keep it in your trust account. Um, and if they won't, um, then you need to quickly bring an application to the court. But the way that you would present that to the other party is, look, let's just put that in a trust account while we work out who gets what, okay? Mm -hmm. Or it might be if one of you or both of you might be scratching for money a little bit and if you think you're entitled to 70% and you think they're entitled to 30%, maybe release 30% of the funds to them, 30% of the funds to you and leave the disputed 40% in the trust account to talk about later on, okay? So right. it's kind of a slow down then, you know, and let's think about this. So basically what you're saying is it's better to sell the house first and then discuss who gets what after because sometimes if if there's this argument about, no, I should get this, I should get this, then the house will never get sold. And yeah. then, But this is all general advice only. It is general advice, yeah. But and it's there are more options. Yeah, there's many options. Of, if you've had to come to a lawyer because there's a, an issue with the other party, if you're amicable, by all means, work it out, you know, mm. work it out between you both. You may decide that 50-50 is okay but you haven't got a court order or anything or a financial agreement and later on you want to claw some of that money back. Um, if they've gone and spent it, um, that could be hard. So, mm. yes. So, so I guess that quickest way out. So I guess that next step of deciding who gets what really is, and that is actually at the name of one of our episodes, uh, we also do it in the course, the property split, how to calculate the percentages, yes. yeah. all of that. And we go into great detail in other podcast episodes about that. So yes. if you're stuck in that space, that is a big space that you need to work through. 
So go and check those episodes out. I'll put them in the show notes. And if you're listening on TikTok today, go check it out. All our other episodes where we talk about how to figure out that percentage split. But if you're selling the house and you still can't agree, but the money's coming in, do, you know, general advice only, but one of the options can be take some of it out, leave the disputed money in or Mm -hmm. ask it them to hold it in trust until you get that agreement and you know that might be a bit of a motivator to everybody to solve it if it's this big money sum is just sitting there going to waste mm-hmm. because there's a lot of financial implications with a trust fund there's no there's no interest in a trust no, fund there's no so if you've got two million dollars sitting in a trust fund and it's not making any interest or it's even two hundred thousand, it's a waste yeah, so yeah it that's is good waste. motivation for some people in particular i would say yeah what happens if no one buys or you're stuck in this horrible limbo of not that we have this problem at the moment in the property market but that mm, we've had no it one, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've had it over the years. Uh, so you would normally factor in, if it was court orders, the court orders mm-hmm. reduction of price every six weeks or so and then ultimately an auction. Um, really? And whatever you get, you get. Yeah. Yeah. So there's always a way um, from the court's point of view. From your point of view, writing to your ex, say, look, it's been six weeks, nothing's happening, how about we drop the price by X number of dollars? and see what they say and if that doesn't work so for some people if you're navigating it through the court system they've got a way to solve this if you're not navigating it through the court system i guess if it's still floating in the air and you haven't sold it for a year and it's all going to heck then go Mm. to court do Mm. the whole make an application (laughs) situation yeah Yeah. Yeah. some people they're in the house they don't want to sell like you might be in the house and you Mm. might be saving up so that you can, or working, so you can get a mortgage to buy the house out. So this won't apply to every single person, but yeah, if you yeah. really want to sell it, yeah, you'll need to think about that. The course, all right. Well, then doing the course, yeah. don't we, Laura? We go right through that because I think the percentages. Every time I've spoken to someone who's done the course, they're spot on with the percentage mm. split. Isn't I'm that proud. good? Yeah. Yay. Okay, so the next step is let's imagine fairy tale world here. You finally got paid. You've agreed to a split. Jazz here on TikTok has said it's difficult to negotiate a settlement when the amount divisible is unknown. So that is a good point. So that is a it good is. idea. Now. It's percentage, so you yeah. When you've split it up and you're like, okay, even if you haven't figured out who gets what in the in that money, you still have to move out because it's a 30-day, 60-day, 90-day contract. You still yeah. got to get out of the house. Yeah. So that is another minefield people must really navigate with an ex. Yeah particularly if there's emotions of just leaving the family home, if you've lived there for there 10 years. Be. Yeah, there'll be there like a, maybe be. a height chart on the wall where you've been marking the kids' heights. Mm. There could be, you know, a place where Arnie Flo used to sit for Christmas and she's passed on. Like there's so many emotional things that could be in that house, To mm. let alone navigating the next steps of who's taking what out of the house if you haven't already done that. So, Mum, are there any tricks or things that you recommend to people when they're divvying up the furniture and moving out mm. after mm. the contract is signed? Yeah, okay. So it's hard um, It ha- or it may be full of bad memories and you can't wait to get out. One of the things I, I often do with people, I think I've mentioned this before, is go and have a look at a couple of display homes and realise Usually you'll realise maybe how outdated your furniture is or how much you've got. You know, that's a problem. Sometimes people have too much stuff. And just remember, it's all secondhand furniture in your house anyway. So um, you can, there's some things that will naturally go with you 
your hobby stuff. If you're a, a weaver and spinner, the spinning wheel's going to go with you, that sort of stuff. I don't know why I thought of that. Um, but and guitar in the shed. Yeah, the old car. Yeah. It's not like you're going to want to take the stuff that they have and, you know, That's right. unless if you're in a manipulative and controlling relationship um, where they know what you love and we've talked about this in the leaving yeah. episodes, if you know you're in that relationship, make sure you're taking that stuff because, like you've said, Mum, they might say, what what photo album or what yeah. spinning wheel or Just whatever it is that yeah. you love yeah. or, or your plant named Freddie. You know, yeah. they'll go, I hate her so much or I hate him so much I'm going to burn his plant and pretend it yeah. didn't exist. So yeah. be so really take careful. That. Yes, yeah. so take all that stuff. What's yeah. stopping them from taking everything? Oh, well, if you're in the house, mm-hmm. um, you have that control. Um, if you're out of the house, um I hope if you've listened to us, you've taken a video of what's in the house or you go through mentally, you know what's in the house. Write everything down um, and then invite the other person to create two lists or you do two lists and invite them to choose one and make the lists roughly equal. Okay, mm-hmm. so if it's a, I mean, some people get right down to toasters and kettles and, <laughs> and you know, Two, yeah. two sets of double bed or queen size bed sheets and whatever. Um, and then write down to the TV in the lounge and the TV in the study and those sort of things. And if you write a big list of furniture, one of you does it as roughly equal lists and then let the other person choose one of those lists. The incentive to keep it even and fair uh, for the person creating the list is that if you overload one up with all the good stuff, the other person might choose that list mm. so it does seem to keep people honest and a furniture fight apart from the fact the court hates it costs a fortune so don't go down that route it's all secondhand okay so that that's based on the premise that the the high conflict or controlling manipulative wants everything or they're all fighting over everything what about the avoidant person maybe they've moved out and they don't want anything or they say they don't want anything but you know they're going to want it at some point yeah. What do you do with those stuff? Like what if they just uh, bail and, and you're them, stuck with everything? I think give them a deadline by which they have to get their stuff. Uh, some people pack it all up, put it in the shed, and then on the day you move out, that stuff gets dropped at their mother's or somewhere. <laughs> um, Surprise! Just, yeah, yeah you just, um, you're focusing on extracting everything from the house. Give them plenty of warning though. Offer to pack it for them. If, if that's Please. what it takes, yeah. Poor, uh, anybody who's out there having to pack their ex's stuff because they're yeah. too late to do it or to avoid it, um, geez, I feel for you and mm. I will take you for a cup of tea one day. So, you know, the, yeah. The person who goes first, who moves stuff out first, takes like the, the bigger items. It's a real bummer to be the last person in the house to collect stuff because then you get that third drawer down with all the crap in it and you've got to clean stuff. So there's yeah. kind of, um, yes, the per- first person to move out gets it easier. But guess yes. what? That first person, if they just take the big stuff, every time they go shopping for the next year or two, they're going to be buying um, extra like rolls of string or toilet toilet brush. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So there's... There's merit in that. No one puts toilet brushes on their list. At least I haven't seen that. Okay, so that's we've done high conflict, we've done manipulative controlling, and we've done uh, avoidant. If you're amicable and mm. you've sold the house and you need to move out within 60 mm. days, I have heard of a tip where people walk around with two different colored sticky notes and they say, stick your note on anything that you want. 
just I don't like it's, look. It's fairy tale land, but and then the removalists put the coloured sticky notes in the right vans and they go off into the sunset like a reverse Cinderella moment. No, mm. does that ever happen, Mum? No. Um, I've never no. seen it, but I just the, my heart says, "Where's my stickers?" My heart says that it would be pretty easy just to peel the sticker off and put it on yours or swap them over. <laughs> such a lawyer response. <laughs> such a lawyer response. So I, I think you only see the avoidant or course. high control you're manipulative. I believe there are amicable people out there, maybe on TikTok right now, maybe listening, that do are able to do that. And I hope there is. It makes me yeah. feel better about you. I don't humanity. need us. I hope yeah. there is. I yeah. know. I really hope that. I know you don't mean you, but yes. But if you do do that sticky note thing, be careful because they could easily just swap it. That's right. But I think if you've got an amicable person, I think you do up a list of what you think is theirs and yours and get mm-hmm. invite them to look at it. I think walking around the house in the debris of a marriage or relationship breakdown, even amicable people can sort of get a bit emotional. Uh, and if you want to stay amicable, I wouldn't probably advocate that idea. But then, like you say, Laura, we only see the people who aren't getting along. Yeah. Who knows? There might be better people out there in the world, hopefully. Hope All so. right. So so we've gone through the selling, the choosing the lawyer, the agent, the agreement, who pays for what. We've talked about what happens if they don't sign, you know, what happens if it doesn't get sold, the removalists. What are the biggest problems, because we've only got five minutes left, that okay. you see people facing and that you wish you could grab everyone before they start this process and say, just so you know, don't forget to X, Y, Z. What What are the main things that you wish you could tell all your clients in a time machine? Okay. Some of the things, I think it's the things that I can't fix and it, okay. it is those disappeared things that suddenly, you know, get out. Um, and I, I prefer the client, if they can, to keep control of the process because assuming all my clients are lovely, and none of them are high conflict, manipulative, controlling, or anything like yes. that. All your clients are perfect, yeah. yeah. And okay. also, and all trying, agreeing in writing to fifty fifty before they get any legal advice. Mm, um, don't or do that. Waiting until the money's distributed, and then come and see me. And by then, the other money might have been spent on an overseas holiday, or you know, it's very hard to claw back stuff that's been mm. spent. And sometimes the last big one is. Um, is that people think they have to sell the house when actually, and they don't if they don't want to. When actually, when I do the sums, taking into account all the other factors, they wouldn't have to sell the house. Right. Mm. Okay. So you really need to understand why you're selling the house, what reason, and yeah. making sure you've explored all the options if you want to stay there. You know, don't just assume you have to sell it. You may not need to. Make sure you do that exploration. And then, of course, the big no-no, and and we've seen it a lot from our members and you've seen it with your clients, they agree to 50-50 before they know what's fair, before they know what they're entitled to, and then you're selling the house and it's a little bit too late. If you haven't signed anything, it's not too late, but the mental space that your ex is now in is they're going to say no well you agreed to 50 50 so I'm not Mm. budging so Mm. just be really careful but it seems to me like you're saying mum when it comes to selling the house if you do have to sell the house Mm. sell and strike while the iron's hot get it sorted before the fights start happening and I guess I think that's right we say that with children's uh, the initial parenting agreement as well Mm. when everyone separates to begin with maybe they're not that 
angry or hurt or offended yet and people are able to come to an agreement at the uh, at the short term but then someone gets a partner someone gets a girlfriend or a boyfriend or someone says something to someone's next door neighbor that offends you and everyone then starts to fight a couple yep. of months down the track so if you can sell the house while you guys are still kumbayaing and feeling sorry and, and and a bit emotional about leaving each other that's a good time to do it and then the money can just sit in the trust fund until you're ready to decide another thing is when people uh sometimes a person's very attached to a piece of land or a house and i say to them it's just a place go out and have a look at the new i've never looked at a display home without thinking oh yeah i could live here mm. <laughs> you know um yeah. so just it's just a spot it's not you it's not your identity you can move yeah, on don't- Go and have a look at some magazines and create yeah. a new colour scheme. If you're moving out for the first time and you love pink like I do, then, you know, go and create your lounge room all pink. No one's going to stop you. It's your place if you're yeah. separating for the first time. Um, and maybe, you know, if you feel overwhelmed by this process, because let's face it, divorce, property settlement, children's agreements, selling <laughs> houses, there's a lot of big events and there's a lot of steps that we've just talked through just for selling the house. If you feel like it's too much, just focus on doing one of these things. Just find the agent. And even if that takes you like three weeks, at least you've done one thing, you can tick it, you know, and then listing it, tick it, mm-hmm. agree on the value, tick it. So I guess take it one step at a time. Don't look at the whole mountain. Just look down at your feet and just take one step at a time if you feel mm-hmm. super overwhelmed by it. Yeah. Um, and, and mum, how many of these selling houses situations end up in court? Not many, to be honest. That's good. Yeah, That's not good. many. Um, I think sometimes you just know in your heart a place has to go, it has to be sold. But it's mm. nice to know um, if the system falls apart, there are processes in the court to bring it to fruition and, and get that sale done. And I had a Professor Patrick Parker once said um, that some people don't accept that the relationship is over um, until the house is sold. And sometimes getting that out um, uh, of the way is the, it gives you the impetus then to settle everything else. But while the house exists and one person's there, you've got another person who's feeling aggrieved because they've been kicked out or hopeful that all they have to do is go back and everything will be just like it was. So it's quite Mm. a clear demarcation. You may need counselling as you go through this phase. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, uh, thank you, Mum, again for your great wisdom. And anybody who is going to selling <laughs> house, remember that this is general advice only. Maybe you've picked something up here that you can use that will help you on this journey. We have so many episodes about property settlement, uh, how to figure out your percentages, what what the Family Law Act says about it all. Uh, you can definitely check that out on our podcast. And if you're also interested, go to www.thedivorcecourse.com.au and you can download our free checklist on what to take before you leave, as well as a mediation checklist where mm. we talk you through and make sure that you're ready for mediation. Uh, those things are free. We also have our divorce course where we talk you through every step of the way. If you're interested in that, it's also on our website. Thank you. Thank you, Mum, for sharing your wisdom, and we'll speak to you again next week. Bye. Thank you, Laura. Bye, everyone. If you found this podcast helpful, we'd love it if you could rate, review, and subscribe. By doing so, you are spreading the word to help someone else just like you. 
Lynn would like to remind you that this podcast is general advice only and you should always get legal advice in relation to your particular situation. And remember that the Australian laws may have changed since recording.